This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone. As he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, now, up to to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone. Today on the program, I'm joined by one of the best closers of my era. I couldn't get a hit off him by the later. He's a three-time All-Star World Series champion. Finished his career with 314 saves, ladies and gentlemen, Rob. And Rob, thanks for coming on the program. What's up, Booney? How are you? It's been a while, man. How you been? Good? It's been good. Yeah, I can't complain. It's, uh, you know, life's good and, and uh, just trying to stay out of trouble. Okay, we've known each other a long time. We played against each other in high school, believe it or not. It was the old Empire League. I think we graduated at the same time, wasn't it? Are you 87? 87, yep. Yeah. And uh, that was a pretty good league back then. It was you, J.T. Snow, for Los Sal. Yep. I was, El- I was El Dorado. I, younger, but Nevin was my teammate. Yep. For sure. Our, our senior year, and Brett Tomko, I think, was a freshman. So we yeah. had three guys come out of there. Who else did you have? Did you have Mike Kelly on that team? Mike Kelly was on that team, too. He's a center fielder. You played third base and pitched. Yeah, third a little bit of pitching at that. So, Yeah. And it was different for me because I, I, came, I came to Southern California. I, I grew up in Jersey. So my first year, uh, my sophomore year, you know, I'm coming from – from Jersey where the, the baseball's not quite as good, but I came to that. It was, it was a interesting time. Uh, cool time back then that we were kind of the, you know, that empire league up in, in orange County was kind of the kind of the league and, yeah. and, and a, a lot of great, great players came out of there. Your dad, I remember a lot. Dick Nen played in the big leagues. I want to talk a little bit about being kids and, your dad played in the big leagues, I think, from sixty-three to seventy. Yeah, I think I think seventy-three was his last year. It was his last year? Yeah. So you didn't get to see him much growing up, but you had that influence. I was just wondering if you felt it. I know I didn't really feel it. You know, you kind of get. I got sick of it after a while of talking about uh, your dad's this and you need to be this. I, I didn't really feel it. Though. Do you feel that at all growing up as, no, a, not- as a baseball player? No, uh, you know, he was pretty much done when, when I was born for the most part. Uh, you know, going to the old-timers games, Dodger Stadium was always kind of a thrill and kind of being around in a big league locker room and, and being around that part. But for the most part, there was no, you know, it was it was a different life for him at that time. And so for me, it was, it was one of those things that, you know, I saw the pictures on the wall. I saw, you know, some of the stuff he did. You know, he didn't have a great career, but he, he definitely – you know, got four years in the big leagues and, and all that stuff. So it, it, there was an influence and there was somebody I respected, but it wasn't really, um, you know, being around it all that much. 1987, you get drafted 32nd round of the Rangers. You end up signing. I went, I went off to college. Um, 
You signed as a pitcher. So you go there, you're done with third base at this point, I'm assuming. Yes. Yes. Okay. Couldn't hit, I couldn't hit high school like you guys. You guys all could hit 400, <laughs> 280, 260, 250. Biggest adjustment. Because once in a while, I like to talk about this and take take the audience through the minor league experience. I'll tell you, Rob, looking back, you know, and, and we all think, especially me back in those days when I was 18 years old, just ask me, I'm the greatest. And how could I not be a first round pick? You know, I went the 29th round or something like that. But I was bitter. I thought I was ready to go. Um, looking back, college was probably the best way for, for me. It enabled me to grow up a little bit, you know, still have the aluminum bat, play three years, mature a little bit. And then by the time I was a junior in college and I signed, I, I, I hit the ground running. I was kind of ready ready for that. I don't know how I would have done as an 18-year-old. Take us through being 18 years old, going to the minor leagues, coming from high school. Well, yeah, great. Southern California, probably the best in the country at that particular time. But now you're going to the minor leagues where now it's a big bunch of 18-year-old kids. Tell me that adjustment as far as, I don't know, it's, it could, could chalk it up to homesick. I have no idea. What's it like 18 leaving home? Yeah, well, first of all, I was 17. I signed when I was 17. So that was that was a big adjustment. you know. And, and uh, to this day, listen, everything works out for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. And, uh, you know, it's probably – I look back on it, it's probably one of my bigger mistakes was not going to school because I wasn't ready to leave home. You know, I was an Orange County kid, you know, being, you know, like you said, great league, great baseball, and all that stuff. I wasn't the greatest high school player. I I had potential from what I've, you know, what they said. And it was one of those things that, you know, I'm getting thrown in with all these guys who are, you know, 21, 22, like guys like you who are established, coming out of college. Uh, you know, had three years of, of great baseball and playing and coaching and all that stuff. And I'm coming out of a high school where I, I really, uh, you know, the coach was was not all that great. Uh, it was a great league and we had some great players we were playing against, but it was just a different environment. So to kind of get thrown into a environment where you're with 22, 23, 24-year-olds in spring training and, and all these young Latin kids and all these you know, different, different cultures of people coming in. It was definitely a big adjustment for me. You know, we talk about the game today, 2023. It's a different game than we were coming up. When we were coming up, uh, you, for example, one of the best closers of, uh, you know, I mentioned it in the top uh, of our generation, but it wasn't always that way. You're a starting pitcher. And, and all the talent back then, you started off as a starting pitcher. If you weren't, if you didn't make it as a starter, you go to the bullpen. A little bit different nowadays. They're kind of grooming kids at, at a young age in the minor leagues to be that power arm in the bullpen for that specialty role one inning at a time. Different back then. You were a starter through the minor leagues. You get to the big leagues in 1993 with the Texas Rangers. You end up being traded that year to the Marlins. Uh and I want to get to that about what that was like. That was the expansion year. You know, a bunch of us were out there going, are we going to get drafted in the expansion draft? But yeah. um, talk about that. Coming to the big leagues as a starter, you, you end up converting to a reliever in 94. Uh, when you're with the, with the uh, Marlins, how was that as an adjustment for you? All of a sudden, you're not a starter. They're going to say, go into the bullpen. Did you think I'm going into a closer role or I'm just going to the bullpen? Yeah, well, you know, I started a lot in the minor leagues, and I, I never really stayed healthy. Couldn't stay healthy. You know, of course, you saw in mechanics, they were never that good. Uh, so for me to go out and throw, you know, 80, 90 pitches, you know, it just put a stress on my arm that, that, that couldn't handle it. So, you know, had a few years being hurt leading up to that 93 year. Uh, so I go to 93 camp. I'm healthy. Um, you know, they already have a team set. I'm out of options. So basically, I made that team out of options. I mean, I, I, 
they either a had to keep me or b try to get me through waivers and at that time my velocity was back and and so i knew i was going to be the 25th you know really the 26th guy on the team at that point i mean i think the bat boy got in the game before I did some of those damn games and I was a mop up guy. And so for me, it was, it was learning how to pitch in the big leagues, learning how to go out, go ahead and get guys out and, and watching these guys, you know, the Bobby Witts and the Nolans and all these guys learn how to, how to pitch in the big leagues. And that's what I was doing. I was learning on the job. And, and so I didn't get a whole lot of opportunities to, to, to get in there. I, I started a few games, uh, you know, Nolan went down with the, with the knee injury. And so I started for him, I think two games and, and, uh, you know, I floundered in kind of those situations and, and, you know, did okay, but not, you know, not as well as I'd like to. So it was definitely an adjustment for me, for sure. You go to the Marlins, and I remember those years. Conine's there, good buddy of mine, Walt Weiss. Uh, I think tr- you and Trevor were together, weren't you? No, Trevor. Trevor oh, Hoffie wasn't there? Hoffie got traded, uh, I think, just before I got there. Okay. You know, that's when he got traded to, to Cincy. Renee Latchman, your skipper. Uh, you become a bullpen guy first 94. I think was your first year in some closing opportunities. You, you saved 15 games that first year, 94. Was that a playoff year? I'm trying to think. No world series, world series year is 97. Yes. So 94 was, so, you know, I kind of fell into that, that role. You know, I, I started a game in 93 with Texas or with Florida. Right. Kind of got in the bullpen, kind of went through all that stuff, went to spring, went to winter ball that year. And they're saying, hey, we want you to go down there and start. We want you to go down there and throw a breaking ball because at that point I had no breaking ball. Want to work on a change up, all that stuff. So I go to Mexico. Um, you know, I'm there a month. You know, can't get anybody out. I'm throwing it all over the place. You know, uh, the, the, you know, Marlins are wanting me to throw breaking balls and, and change ups. The, the, the Mexican League wants me to throw fastballs and kind of get people out and all that stuff. So they send me home after a month. I start working with Marcel Latchman. You know, I start driving up to Sacramento like, you know, almost every week for the most part. Spend three days up there with him, and, and he kind of kind of went through mechanics with me and kind of worked on what the mechanics I had and tried to get them better. And then, you know, I go in the '94 season, and it's Brian Harvey, and Jeremy Hernandez, and a bunch of guys, and I'm still kind of just in the middle of that whole situation of of you know on the team out of options, and uh, you know start the year off. Brian Harvey starts. Closed and he ends up blowing his elbow out. And Jeremy Hernandez, who, who was a setup guy at that time, ends up, um, you know, closing after Brian went down. And then by by dumb luck, he ends up getting hurt. He ends up having surgery. And then I end up falling into the role. So for me, it was it was an easy transition once I was already in the bullpen in 93 and going to 94. I was kind of already in that mindset of, of that's kind of what I wanted to do. And I knew I could probably stay pretty healthy doing it that way. 95, uh, save 23 games. 96, you have a 195, you save 35 games. Get us to 97. That World Series, uh, unbelievable expansion team. Obviously, the first, the first World Series, uh, for an expansion team that they won. You beat the Giants and the Braves to get there. Uh, take me through that World Series. That was, that was a pretty, that was a cool team. I'm looking at the names on that team. You had, you had uh, Brownie and Lighter were kind of the the anchors of the starting rotation. Fernandez, Alex Fernandez was there. Alex Fernandez. Yep. Uh, you had Moises Alou, Sheffield, Devon White was your center Bobby, fielder. Bobby Bowe's at third. Renteria, Bobby Bowe. Renteria at short. Right. It was a second. So it was a pretty good lineup. Take and, me through it. Take me through yeah, it. Take me through know, the whole thing. 
you know, that year was, was, was a little tough for me. I had a good year in 96. I signed a four year deal going into the 97 season, kind of struggled all year with, 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 uh, you know, just trying to find mechanics, trying to get myself kind of situated into that role for, you know, not full-time role, but I was already there just trying to get comfortable with everything. And, and it was a rough year for me. So I, I had some ups and downs and struggled a little bit and, you know, we get in, we get in the playoffs that year and, and just, tried to battle my way through it and kind of get through everything, you know, went, went, uh, like you say, we beat the, the, the giants, um, you know, beat Atlanta and then go to Cleveland. And it's, uh, you know, it's all or nothing now. And, and we're all there. And, and, you know, I didn't have the greatest series. I kind of struggled a little bit here and there through the, through the world series part of it. And we just kind of figured out how to do it. And, and, uh, you know, I think that's what happens at the end of the year, you figure out how to do it. It may not be the prettiest. It may not be the best way to do it, but, uh, you definitely, you know, there's nothing left. You got to give everything you can. Florida, that was a, that was a, you know, I hated coming down and playing the Marlins. I hated the weather. I hated the, I hated, I don't know. I didn't like Joe Robbie stadium. I couldn't see there were football lights. I had an excuse for everything, but <laughs> tell me how that see when you won the world series, obviously you have the parade and do what you do when you win a world series. How did that city respond to that Marlins team at that time? It, you know, they responded. It was pretty awesome. I mean, we had three parades. We had one downtown Miami. We had one in Little Havana. We had one on a, on a Fort Lauderdale. We were all in boats. And uh, it was pretty unbelievable. I mean, it was a great atmosphere. The fans, you know, showed up and, and were part of it, at, at, you know, kind of halfway through it and kind of really kind of got behind us. And, and uh, you know, once we won, it was it was definitely a def- little bit of a different environment for a couple of years there, um, you know, with those guys and, and all that stuff. Well, I should take that back. They ended up kind of blowing up the team after that and then it kind of went yeah. sideways but there was no real momentum after that but definitely you know you'd walk around that town a little bit and people would kind of know who you were and, and they were excited about baseball a little bit go to the giants uh we have some of your best years you lead the league in saves in 01 you're an all-star in in 98 99 and 02 um dusty baker's giants we had dusty we we had dusty on the on the program recently um you played for him. I never played for him. And and I told him this story. I said, uh, I was sitting with him at, at the uh, winter meetings this year. I sat down and talked to him for about an hour, had a great conversation. For years and years, playing against Dusty, whether it was in uh, San Francisco or wherever it was, it seemed like I'd walk on the field as, a, as an opponent. And there would be Dusty. He'd yell something at you, give you a wave. And I always felt like, like I knew him. But I didn't know him. We've yeah. never had a conversation until this last winter at the winter meetings. We sat down and it kind of I, I, I walked away from that that little interaction. And I thought he's everything I thought he was. This guy's a, he's unbelievable. He's just a good. I've never heard anybody uh, played with him, played against him. You know, he I grew up watching Dusty on the yeah. Dodgers coming to Philly playing uh, dad's team. And I've never met a man that has a negative. He's one of those guys. He's like a Bruce Bochy. He just, you never hear anybody that ever has a descending comment about anything about him. Yeah. He, he was unbelievable. He was that guy. I mean, he was, you know, he knew everybody. He was friendly with everybody. You know, everybody said he was a cool cat, you know, just that's, and that's the way he took him. And and he was a, he was a player's manager. And, and, 
you know, he, he was, he was always waving to somebody on the other side, if you knew him and, and all that stuff. And, and, and guys wanted to play for him, man. You want to run through a, a brick wall and, and, and do everything you can to help that man win and help them help the team win and, and the whole organization. And he was just that type of guy, you know, he never, you know, he was always behind, he was always behind the players. I mean, he knew how the game was. You're going to go through, you know, as a hitter, maybe over 20, over 15, over 30, you're going to go as a starter, you're going to go, lose a couple games in a row closures you're gonna blow some games and, and he would always stick behind you he would never throw you under the bus never you know this guy needs to get people out it was always you know there was games when i, I would go out and throw an o2 slider down the middle and and give up a, a home run or a hit to lose the game and, and they you know the media would go to him first and hey where was that pitch and he go oh, it was a good pitch down away and it was a great pitch they come to me and they, dusty said it was a good pitch I'm like no it was down the middle so he was always trying to encourage guys, always trying to be a part of it, always trying to be a, a, you know, a player's manager. And that's what we all respected about him was, was he, he went through the trenches, he played it, he did it, and now he's on the other side managing us, and he knows how the game is. Yeah, like I said, you had some great years. I mean, you won in, in Florida, but I think everybody in, in baseball fans, just as a, as a uh, peer of yours, I always think of Robbie as a – as a giant for some reason, I, I, I don't know why. And, and you end up winning, you win with the Marlins, but I think, I, I think of you as a giant um, bonds can't, we're kind of the middle of that lineup for those years. Uh, you're reunited with, with your old high school teammate, JT, you get to O2, go to the world series again. And that's, and that's kind of that. The Angels tracked us down. I was with the Mariners at the time. Angels tracked us down at the end of the year. They take over us. They bump us out. They end up getting the wild card. And uh, I remember watching that series and and how awesome back and forth it was. And Angels ended up winning it. Uh, take me through 0-2. And, and I want to talk. I, he wasn't my favorite guy, believe me, playing against him, Bonds. But I'll tell you, his name, I think there's a documentary coming out about him. And I talk to people, I talk to the kids today. I talked to my son will ask me questions about it. I said, I'm telling you, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen any any player dominate that batter's box the way he did. You know, the greatest players of the game at that time, uh, who I had a ton of respect for, it was like them, and then there was Bonds was in a completely different category. You played with him. Just take me through that a little bit in that 02 season. You know, he was unbelievable. I got there, you know, when I got there in 98, you know, I saw him hit his 400th and I saw him hit his 500th, his 600th and his 700th home run in those years. And he was, every time he came up, you knew something was going to happen. And, uh, you know, he didn't get a whole lot of pitches that year, but the pitches he got, he'd hit him out of the park. And he was, he was so much fun to, to watch and to be around and have a chance to really, you know, be on the, be on the, on the, on his team and watching what he did on a day in and day out basis. Cause he, it was, it was, it was unbelievable. I mean, he was, he was on fire. He just, you know, there was, there was games you'd be down there warming up, getting ready to go in the game. He hit a, a game tying home run or, or home run to go ahead. And it was a, a crucial game, crucial home run for him. And the game would stop for five minutes and you'd have to kind of wait for all that stuff. But he, with all that stuff being said, he was, he was pretty unbelievable to, to watch on a day in and day out basis, you know, going into that 2002 season, um, you know, it was, it was, it was a good year for all of us. We were battling, everybody was playing, you know, you had dusty, you know, uh, managing it and you had, uh, 
like you said, Jeff, uh, Kent and JT and Richard really, and all these guys that were part of that team. And, and, uh, you know, we just battled, man. It was, it wasn't a star studded team. It was a bunch of guys, like you said, with JT and Barry were the main guys and the rest of the guys were all just kind of, kind of, kind of being there, filling in and doing their part. And we all just had good years and, and it, it took us to, took us to the, to the, to the playoffs. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. I want to talk about your arm injury. You you end up, oh, two, you're an all-star. You have a two, Ernie. And then you started to have some arm problems. And I really didn't, <clears throat> until now, I really didn't know what happened after that 02 season because you missed two seasons. Then all of a sudden you announced your retirement. Yeah. Um, was it that year that it happened, 02 down the stretch, where you hurt your arm? It actually happened early on. We were in Toronto and I pitched an inning in two thirds. And this was before the All Star break. And, uh, you know, we, I pitched in two thirds in Toronto. We get on the plane, we head back to, to San Francisco and I wake up about halfway back and I'm kind of, you know, I kind of shoulders kind of sore and kind of stiff in the, in, in some different places. And so I go to the training room the next day. I'm like, yeah, I'm a little AC joints, a little beat up, a little sore, something's going on. We kind of watched it, um, you know, kind of just kind of monitored a little bit, did some treatment on it and all that stuff. And then we go, to, then as we get towards the all-star game, <clears throat> I'm still battling. It's taking me kind of a little bit longer to warm up. Uh, I remember that all-star game being down the bullpen and, and still having a hard time getting loose. Um, you know, and then we kind of start shooting it up and trying to get it through and just trying to, trying to piece it together. And, you know, at that point we were, we were battling and we were kind of, had, we had the, we were kind of leaning towards getting to the playoffs. And as we got farther and farther in the playoffs, we just started taking more and more shots. And, and uh, you know, I take, I take, you know, three shots on a Sunday and, and hopefully I have Monday or Tuesday off and it never ended up working out that way. So, you know, we did that, you know, started, you know, those were about once a month or something like that. And then as we got towards the playoffs, every playoff series, man, we would, we would uh, get it done and, and celebrate. And then I'd go in the training room and get three more shots. So it was, it was a battle all the way through. And then by the time we kind of got down to, uh, down to Anaheim, it was, it was pretty much shot at that point. I mean, it was, pretty beat up, pretty sore. It'd take me a good inning and a half to even just to get loose and kind of get, get ready for the game. So I knew I had to kind of prep a little bit differently. Um, you know, and it's just it, one of those things that, that the farther along we got in the season, the harder it was to stop and, and end up saying, Hey, we're going to shut down the season and all that stuff. So what, you know, you know, as well as I do playing, we all, we all work as hard as we can in the off season to have a chance to get to the playoffs and get to the world series. And once you're in that point, you're going to do everything you can to sustain it and kind of continue and be a part of it. Yeah. You talk about those shots. I, I was, I was pretty fortunate enough, Robbie, in, in my career to, to stay pretty healthy, but I did have one year in uh, 2000. I it was, I, I only played in San Diego one year. I played for the Padres and I hurt my knee and I couldn't really pinpoint it. Didn't know what it was. Uh, just figured it's something it'll go away. It was almost like a, I don't know. It ended up being diagnosed like a jumper's knee, but man, I couldn't, when I was hitting, I couldn't put any pressure on my, on my, on my, uh, land leg. 
And I just thought, well, you know, I'm, I was in a, in an option year in my contract, you know, I'm sitting there and I've got like 17 home runs and there's a couple months to play. I'm like, well, I got to get to the numbers in case my option isn't picked up. We end up being in last place uh, in that, in the American or I'm sorry, the national league West, we ended up making a, a conscious smart decision. I shut it down because we weren't going to the playoffs. There's no reason, but I know what you're talking about when it comes to, okay, if I can just get through this week and then I got to get another shot, another shot, another shot. And eventually I'm going, well, if we're not going to win, is it really worth me doing it in your situation? Different. You're going to the playoffs. You get a chance to go to the world series. You know, as well as I do, those chances are few and far between in our occupation. If you have a chance, you go for it because you might not ever have another chance. So I completely uh, understand what you're talking about down the stretch. Did you have the surgery right away after the season? Yeah, I think it was about a week after the week and a week or 10 days after the season, had the first surgery, went in there, um, had uh, had the doctor go in there and clean it up. And he goes, you know, it's the, the cuff's a little beat up, like like every other pitcher for the most part, and, and everything should be good and just rehab it and <clears throat> kind of went to that offseason and, and rehabbed it and started throwing, I don't know, maybe Christmas time or after Christmas, whatever it was. And it still didn't feel great. Still felt like it was kind of not quite right. But I had my elbow done in 99. And I knew that took me until, um, you know, until about the all-star break until I felt great. You know, I, I started the season off that year and, and still got through it and still got people out and did everything we need to do. But, but, but about the all-star break is when it felt huh, back to normal. So I kind of feel, I felt like that, that's how this was going to be kind of too. The shoulder was going to take a little time, <clears throat> still going to get stronger and stronger day by day and all that stuff. And as we go into spring training, just didn't feel, it didn't feel any better. Um, you end up taking a few more shots just to try to see if that was inflammation, something else was going on. And at the end of uh, spring training, it wasn't, it, it, I wasn't going to I wasn't going to make the roster as far as being healthy as going to be back on the DL. So we went back in there, went back to the, to the doctor again. And, and he goes, you know, your, your cuff is basically 75% torn. And he goes, uh, your labrum's torn too. So they pulled me out of surgery. Um, Cause at that point, you know, Ramon Martinez, I think, was the only other one who had a full thickness tear. And, uh, you know, Everett came back, but never really came back for the most part. So they uh, pulled me out and, and told me what was going on. And, and so we started to kind of look around at different doctors, and, you know, what our options were and all that stuff. And I think about two weeks later, I think I was back in Delaware at uh, another doctor who, who did uh, Kurt Schilling's shoulder. <clears throat> Come to find out you know, the whole time my labrum was torn from the first surgery on. And that's kind of what made the instability of made the, made the cuff tear even more and even getting worse. So it was, you know, just one of those things that, you know, it, it, it was missed a little bit. It was just one of those, you know, nobody's fault. And, and, uh, you know, the way I look back on it was I, I, I think I had a pretty good career and I, and I enjoyed it. And, and, uh, with the mechanics I had, I probably lasted longer than I should have. Do you think back, take yourself back to that time though? I mean, now, you know, we can talk about it 20 years later, back that time. How hard is that when you're still in the mindset, you're coming off world series, you're still in the mindset. I'm ready to go. I'm going to play, just get my shoulder fixed up, rocking and rolling. And all of a sudden your body just won't cooperate. What's what's the mindset or, or did it take you a while to get over it? Or you, you, you were all right with it at the time. No, that was, that was the hard part for me. The hard part was for me was, you know, I, I, I was, if I could get to the season, they're going to fix it. Everything can be fixed for the most part. I, you know, I, I didn't realize if I figured if I was still pitching 
and still somewhat getting guys out and, and getting through it, I, 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 they'll be able to fix it. It could be a labrum. It could be something smaller. It could be whatever. So once I, once we got through, we had the first surgery, my mindset was, you know, I'm still, I'm still young enough to, to kind of go through that. I was still kind of, you know, in the prime, I, I, I made the all-star game that year. I was throwing ball well that year. And, and so it was a little harder for me to adjust once I realized I was done for the fact that I thought I had maybe two, four, two to four more years of, of, of pretty good baseball playing. So it was a little hard adjustment for me to, to, to be done at that age and to, uh, you know, kind of sit back and watch other guys play and every other guys doing stuff and, and thinking I, I could still do it because I still was feeling like I could do it. And, and I, you know, it, it, it's tough. It was a tough time. Yeah, I can imagine because <clears throat> it, it, it's you're, you still got that passion. You still want to play. For me, I had a strange thing. I, I retired and then I came out of retirement because I. I was kind of walking around going, am I done? I didn't have any closure and, yeah. and I really trained and I came back in 08 mm. and I went to, I went to camp with the Washington nationals. They were a terrible team. They lost a hundred games. And, and you know, when it's hard enough when you're on a great team and you're in your prime, all of a sudden I'm 37, 38, I'm a shell of myself. And, uh, you know, I ended up officially retiring, but that time walking away, I was okay. It was like, you know what? I had, I had a great run. It was fun. I appreciated everything that I got to do. And I was okay walking away from the game because I knew what I was. I wasn't what I was anymore. I was way past my prime. It was time to move on. But I could imagine uh, if the body just won't cooperate, but the mind's still there. It, it's probably a frustrating thing. Took a little took a little time to get over. It it, it took some years to, to, to realize that I was gone and realize that that the body just like you said wasn't gonna cooperate. You know, the cuff was torn so bad that that it just wasn't gonna come back. I, you know, maybe I could have come back as a different pitcher, but that wasn't me, you know, between mechanics and between you know, as hard as I threw and stuff, it, it, it for me to come back as somebody throwing maybe 86, 87 miles an hour, I wasn't a pitcher, I was a thrower at that time. You know, I was a uh you know, a guy that, that relied on fastball and hard sliders. So for me, it was, it was a tough situation to, to sit back and, and say, I could still be playing. I should still be playing, but uh, you know, it is what it is. Everything happens for a reason. And, and uh, you know, I look back on, I got, you know, it was two world series and a, and a one, winning one and, and a few all-star games. And for me, it was, maybe it was just time to go. I don't know. No, it was an awesome career. Two, nine, eight, uh, 314 saves. You're the all-time Giants saves leader with 206. All right, now we get to the good stuff. As I mentioned at the top, everybody listened to the Boone podcast. I could not get a hit off Rob Ned, and he knew it. And I and I used to tell him, and he'd give me that smile, like, "Oh yeah, well, I, now that I think about it, you have never got a hit." And I gave him too much of an advantage because then I had no chance. But and I don't know if you remember this, but we were in spring training. Netter comes in where he's working on his stuff. He's not, he's not coming in in the, in the closer role that he normally, it's not the ninth inning at, at a candlestick and, and the uh, music's playing. It's an afternoon. I think it was in Peoria. I hit about an 18 hopper down the third baseline. I think the bases were loaded. I got to second base. I said, I finally got a hit off you. And we both kind of looked at each other and I thought to myself, yeah, but this doesn't even count. Nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna remember that. I don't know if you remember that, but that I, was a big day for me. I do kind of remember, you know, facing in spring training and, and and all that stuff a little bit. Yeah, it was. Listen, it, it there, you know as well as I do. There's guys that you saw that you hit real good, and there's guys yep. that maybe you didn't see, and you did. You thought you thought you saw really good, and you didn't get any hits off. Yeah. 
there's no rhyme or reason for the, for what I think. I mean, there's guys that I, I sat there and said, God, I, I should get him out, and I never got him out. So it, it's it's all just part of the game, and that's that's what makes the game so much fun and so challenging and, and makes it tough because, you know, I, I should never have gotten you out every, every time if that's what it was. I, and, and, I mean, it's just it just happens for some reason. I don't know. You're right. It is no rhyme or reason because there are some guys, uh, Billy Wagner, I had a tough time with him. That ball, it looked like a beach ball coming in. Yeah. And I would foul it straight back every time. And I, it started to get mental with me. Yeah. I can't see it this good and continue to miss it. And then there were guys that I hated. I hated facing Pedro. But I always came out of there with a, with a, with a hit and a walk. I don't know how. doesn't yeah. mean I wanted to face him. Yeah. It just means, like you said, you're making the point of there is no rhyme or reason sometimes. It's just one of those. I don't know. I don't know why I get hits off you, and I don't know why I can't get hit off you. You know, it's just it's the way it is, and, and pitching's the same way. Your delivery, and it's still to this day, and, and we still, you, you you had the hard slider. At the time, if we're calling it a slider, we didn't call it that. It's like Nen's throwing that funny pitch again. We don't know what the hell it is. We don't know if it's a split. It didn't spin like a normal slider, but it was probably 91, 92, and back in those days, Nobody else threw a 92-mile-an-hour slider. You had that stutter step that probably screwed a lot of hitters up. Probably, I'm, I'm going to use that. That's why I couldn't get That's hit. Probably it, was the damn, it was the damn stutter step. Yes, for sure. But tell me how you came up with that toe tap. It's kind of infamous. You were kind of the only one that did it. And was it a true slider or was it something funky? Did you hold it different <laughs> or was it really a true slider? No. Now, I'm telling you. That's what hitters used to say. It's not a slider. I don't know what it is. So, so let's start with the mechanics. The mechanics were, I, I came out of high school, like you say, kind of, you know, came out of high school, didn't have much coaching in high school. And I, I had my toe pointed down, I think. And then when I got, when I got to the minor leagues, they wanted to point it up or flat or however. Well, I kept going back to that. I started with that lousy toe tap that ended up, uh, you know, doing what it did and it, it stuck with me forever. And it, it was, you know, it was it, certain, certain places. It was tough. I mean, I got to a high mound. It was impossible to stay back behind my front leg to a flat mound where I couldn't get over the front leg. So it was definitely something that, that, that was that looking back on it, it, it was probably, I knew what it caused later on. It, it, it got me to a point where it slowed my body down enough to get to my arm to the right spot consistently. With that being said, it was never a great thing. And it was one of those deals that, uh, you know, it worked. It's, I, I, you know, I, Sheffield's talked about it facing him. It, it screwed his waggle up a little bit. And, and so it worked for me. Uh, it, it didn't, it wasn't the right way to do it. And that's just, it came about something. I mean, you know, when I was in the minors of Texas, they used to put cinder block in front of me where I had to step over that thing. If not, I'd fall on my face. They'd put rakes out there, so if I hit that rake, I'd fall on my face, or it would come up and hit me in the head. It was something that there was a part of my delivery that I just couldn't get rid of, and uh, you know it worked. And and as far as the slider, I think it was after the first year going into the into the '94 season. Um, actually, it might have been after that. No, it was that year, and and I had nothing. Was it was in Florida working out? Richie Lewis, remember Richie Lewis? A little I short. remember. Yep. Had a great curveball, and at the end of that year, he goes, "Hey, man, let me, let me, let's, let's work on a on a breakout curveball." At the end of this, at the this off season, I'm like, "Perfect." 
he started throwing me that thing and, and, and his curveball turned to my slider and it was a slider. It was the same way I held it, you know, kind of, and just pulled it down and I could get it to kind of go side to side down and then kind of straight down. So I considered a, a slider curveball, but it, that, that's just, it's just the way, as hard as I threw it, it kind of, it just reacted like a split or reacted like a kind of a different slider, I guess. Well, and, and it probably was, and I tease you about that because we, we didn't know, because I think it was just that you threw it so hard yeah. that nobody else at that time was throwing a slider at that velocity. Yeah. So if you had never seen it before, we're kind of going, well, it can't be a slider because nobody else throws one like that. So it's got to be something funny he's doing to it. We didn't know if it was a split, but yeah, it makes sense. I mean, and, and still to this day, there's not too many guys that, that touch 90 with a slider. Yeah, no, you know, I mean, it's, it's very rare. And as a hitter, what it does to you as a hitter, because we like as hitters, we like to we train for certain things. We train for if it's a 95 mile an hour fastball, most of the time their breaking pitch is probably 10 miles off. So yeah. it's anywhere from seven to 12 miles off. That's what we train for the guys that could really break up that differential. You know, that guy that could throw a, a 92 mile an hour fastball, but his changeup was 74, like a Trevor Hoffman. Yep. But he could throw 92, but but his differential was 15 to 18 miles an hour. We don't train for that. So that's yep. that's crazy for us. Just like yourself, you're throwing 95 and now you're throwing a 91 mile an hour slider. I can't sit on that. It, it, my only hope is I lay off it. Yeah. And 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 the the key to success, what what is the key to everything? You know, I talked to Smolty about it. It's coming out of that window, the deception that it is a fastball. That's why we swing and miss sliders. Not because we're chasing your slider. It's because we read fastball and oh, it's a slider. Yep. So I, I think that's what really threw us off is the differential. Yeah. It, it was this, it was this big. It was 95 to 90. And it's yeah. like, how do you sit on that slider? You don't. Yeah, it it definitely came out as a fastball, and at the last at the last minute, it definitely you know moved some way or another, whether it was down or side to side. So, I think that was the big part, like you said. It was it was hard enough that you guys were geared up for 95, 96, 97, and all of a sudden it was ninety two or ninety one, and all of a sudden it was it was a, it was a different kind of a different angle or different different pace or whatever it was. So I, I get what you're saying. It's 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 the Trevor Hoffman, you know, the the Bugs Bunny ball we used to call it where it would almost stop halfway to you. Yeah. You know, we used to watch that and and we were just like, holy cow, how how does he do that? So everybody's got their own little quirks and their own little thing. But uh it worked for me and and uh like I say it, it got me, you know, thanks to Richie Lewis, it got me a big league career. Uh you're working with the Giants to date. Uh, special assistant Farhad, uh, explain what's your detail. What are you doing? What, what's, you know, what's your day to day? So I really don't do anything for him. I, 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 so the deal was when we first got done playing, right. Brian Sabin reached out and said, Hey, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, let's, let's figure something out. So he goes, why don't you come to spring training and, and, and let's, let's talk and let's figure out what you want to do. He goes, I'll send you a contract. And I said, well, wait a minute. I said, I, you know, traveled for 18 years with, with playing and, you know, being away. I said, I, I, let's figure out, let's, 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 let's at least get to spring training and see how it goes. So I got to spring training and, um, loved it was, lo you know, loved being around it, loved being a part of that and all that stuff. But, but with me being still fairly young and being, thinking I was still in my, I could still get out, go out and play, you know, look at these guys. It was a little hard for me. So. I, I didn't really do much for him. You know, they put in the media guide that I, that I was working for him and I was doing stuff for him. But for the most part, I was going to spring training every year. 
Um, I always told Brian, if you ever needed, needed me to do anything during the year and I'd go see anybody or talk to anybody or do whatever you guys need to do. And, you know, his thing was you call me. So we just never, it never really did. So I, so the whole working for the giants never really came to anything. I was always just, um, kind of a PR guy, do some golf tournaments and do that. You're, an, amb you're an ambassador. I was an ambassador. I mean, it is what it is. And that's all it was. So I never had a contract. I never got paid. I never doing that stuff. It was me just helping out and doing whatever I could for that organization. I mean, you know, as well as I do, you've been around some great organizations. When an organization treats you like family, you want to do anything you can for them. And that, that's what it was for me. It was anything I could do for those guys. So, you know, as far as the, the new regime that came in, I, I haven't done anything with them. And, and the spring training stuff kind of stopped. And, you know, it, it, I think the game has kind of changed as far as the the new regime with the analytics and all that stuff. And, and they're trying to keep the little bit of the older guys out of the game. And, uh, you know, for me, it's games pass me by and the game's a different game. And, and, um, you know, I respect that. And, and do I agree with it? I don't know about always, but it, it is what it is. So I haven't done much with them since, since, uh, foreign came in and all that stuff. Well, Rob, Ned, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, pretty awesome plaque you got in San Francisco, 300 saves and, uh, a great career wall of fame, San Francisco giants. Um, pleasure it was cool catching up and and hopefully we see each other soon we'll play golf again and for everybody out there listening to the boom podcast thanks for listening and we will see you next time